Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is February 12th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Covering uh, many moons ago when he was here with the Boston Bruins and he won the Calder Trophy as Rookie of the Year uh, back in 0304 and that is uh, former Bruins goalie Andrew Raycroft and now you can of course hear him on Nesson. Uh, he does a lot of uh, analyst work with them during Bruins games and he's also been doing the Bean Pod as well and good to have him back in the media scene here in Boston. Razor, how you doing? Fantastic. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on, Jimmy. It has been a long time. I know, huh, man? Crazy. Uh, yeah. flies by. Yeah, it, I, I'm sure you had it happen to you, too, like during this whole uh, Bergy 1000 week that we just went through with uh, Patrice Bergeron reaching 1,000 games. I mean, you know, you, you were there for his rookie season. Obviously, it was the same rookie season as you. And I, did you guys finish in the top three together for the Calder that year? Uh, you know what? I think Patrice fell. He, well, I know Patrice fell out of the top three because the other two guys that were at the ceremony were uh, Michael Ryder and uh, Trent Hunter. Trent Hunter. Trent Hunter was really, yeah, the Islanders yeah. back in the day. Um, so yeah, so uh, so I, Patrice got hurt that first year, so he was right, right there in the mix, and then he missed like fifteen or twenty games closer down the stretch. So. Um, that's probably the, that, that is the only reason why he, he fell out of that. So, um, but yeah, certainly, uh, lots of, obviously lots of, uh, I've seen the commercial quite often the last couple of weeks <laughs> and, uh, lots of people asking me about it. So it's been, uh, it's been funny. It's been funny. It's, it's great to be back in the area and having everyone do so well. 
of course, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, if, you know, if you live out in the area, Nesson aired in a, co- a commercial that year, of course, with Patrice Bergeron and, and Andrew here uh, riding the Zamboni over the Zakem Bridge. Hey, let's go. There's going to be a lot of traffic on the way to the game. Ah, uh, don't worry. I got Bruins plate. People get out of our way. Au revoir. Have a good game. Great plate. I want them too. Are you even old enough to drive? Was that like right around when the Zaken Bridge went up too? Yeah, yeah. It, so we were like the first ones on it. It still had an open That's uh, right. when we were driving on it. So it was... uh. Yeah, it was like a it was Sunday morning. But the reason we ended up doing, it, I think, I think the only reason why we ended up doing that commercial was because it was, we had to get up at like seven in the morning on a day off on Sunday, and there was no chance any of the older guys were doing it, and we were the only two young guys. Um, so that's how. So yeah, we were up there at like seven thirty in the morning in in March doing that commercial. So uh, yeah, we were one of the first up there. So it's 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 really funny. That's great. That's good stuff. And, and I mean, you know, you're sitting here and you, you hear all these stories about Bergie and everything, and they're looking back on his career there. And it's just, just, I mean, I don't know. I felt a little old, but I, it also was pretty cool just kind of looking back on that and, and thinking back to that season. I mean, I remember, man, you guys had quite the team that year in 03 04. Like, really, I, I, I thought. As that year went on, just the way things materialized, I'm like, you know, this this team's got a pretty good shot, maybe making some noise. And then, of course, they went out at the deadline. I think Michael Connell went out and he got, uh, who was it, Nylander and um, Sergey Gonchar. Gonchar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You guys go No, in. we loaded up. We yeah. loaded up. And, um, you know, that's that's – it really is one of those – like that team – um, the whole situation before the lockout, it's certainly one of the things that I look back on and like, we really missed, missed the boat there. Yeah. Um, obviously the, the big thing was Joe Thornton getting injured two uh-huh. games before the playoffs started having the broken ribs. And, um, you know, that being said, we still had a three, one lead in the series and, and couldn't close out. So, uh, lots of disappointment all the way through those, those couple weeks in, in April, um, because again, we we really felt like if we had got through Montreal quickly and Joe got some rest, we would have been able to go on a on a real good run. And um, you know, with Tampa and Calgary ended up being in the finals that year, we we certainly played uh, had a team that could have played with those guys. Yeah, and you know, of course, the the damn Habs got in the way as they did so many times over the course yeah. in Boston. Uh, I think it's funny, you know, like you, you, you talk to. Sort of Bruins fans, I'd say, under the age of 30, raise it like they don't understand what I and so many generations grew up with. Uh, in terms, I grew up in Arlington, Mass, and being a Bruins fan, and like what we dealt with with Montreal. There were so many years like that where it's just like this is the year the Bruins are going to do it. Oh shit, yeah. Montreal, and then, and then it's just. Yeah, it, well, the same thing. The same thing happened in in what oh two because I was here at Black Ace, so I was practicing and traveling with the team, and um, yeah, that that series was just as heartbreaking for everyone as as ours was. So, uh, so yeah, I saw it up close and personal two times in in just over you know three years. So, uh, yeah, certainly it's it's times have uh, times have changed at the Garden since even when I played it. It's it's really remarkable. Yeah, and quickly we'll move on in a bit, but you bring up the fact Joe Thornton 
player with broken ribs there. And, of course, you know, you think of Patrice Bergeron, you think of what he did in that Stanley Cup final against Chicago uh, and the warrior he was there. But going back to that series with Thornton there, I mean, you just I, – I, I remember writing a column, and I still – it was like kind of split down the middle how people viewed it. But, you know, there was a column from Kevin Paul DuPont kind of ripping Joe, and he actually called for – Yeah. You know, called for them to strip the C from him. And, you know, it was just like I, – I, I, I thought it was unfair because I – at the time I knew – I knew when you guys were playing, I wasn't allowed to – you know, one of the trainers who told me what was going on. So I wasn't allowed to say it, but I knew what he was going through. And then to just see the shit that he got from the media and the fans, it just – it really ticked me off. And I'll tell you a quick story. I remember, you know, once the series is over, so – I think what you guys lost at home, like one nothing in Game Seven, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I'm down there in the dressing room, and like you know, we're doing our interviews there, and and I don't think Joe came out actually, and um, no, he didn't. Yeah, and then because of what was going on, and then I went to um, I went up to Marty to kind of talk to him about it, and I don't know, Marty probably hadn't seen me defending Joe in the media, you know, like me taking Joe's stuff, and and he goes, I'm not. I'm not bleeping answering a question about Joe, all right? Just leave me alone. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not here to do that, and I wouldn't go against him. And I go, because honestly, I know what's going on. And then he's like, oh, oh. And so he started talking to me about it and everything. And, you know, I, I just I felt like Joe always got a bad rap here. Um, obviously, he went on to have a – he's had a great career, a Hall of Fame career in San Jose. But I, I still always think what could have been with Joe Thornton here, you know? Yeah, no question. I mean, he obviously uh... – yeah, it was uh, it was a shock when he left, and it, it derailed that team, no question. Um, for for a while, obviously, it took a took the organization, you know, three, four, five years to get back on track after that. But um, you know, yeah, it was always interesting that that for whatever reason it wasn't, you know, sometimes a good fit for. And Joe was just so young. I think we, you know, he was such a such a man child that you just didn't remember the fact that he. Was, I mean, he was only he was only twenty two, twenty three. Yep. 24 at that time, so um, and he was the captain, and and again there was a lot of other stuff going on around the organization at that time with with the walkout coming and Mr. Yep. Jacobs being kind of at the forefront of that. There was there was a lot going on, and um, you know it's certainly not the same atmosphere as it is now when I go down back then. Yeah, and I mean obviously he ended up breaking up that team because he thought he was you know seeing the future there and how the the salary cap would it would affect everything. So, you know, we ended up getting rid of so many players. And yeah, none of us had contracts after the lockout. I think there was only like one or two guys that had a deal like after right. that lockout. So, um, yeah, we knew that was uh, – we knew that the whole thing was getting blown up one way or the other at the end of that season. And, yeah. um, you know, that, that made it even more disappointing to, to, to flame out. Uh, on that note, did you? I mean, did you foresee yourself getting dealt in that trade for Tuukka Rask, or did that really shock you? No, I mean it was. It, everyone was kind of moving out, and I, obviously, I didn't have a very good season um, coming out of the lockout, and then had a couple injuries, and so I, I was not too surprised, you know, that that I was going anywhere. Um, so, so no, it wasn't. It, it was. Well, the writing wasn't on the wall per se, but but yeah, there was a lot of change going on, and, and I knew I was one of those pieces. Okay, so let's fast forward to I don't know about a month ago, or whatever, and you're sitting there, ironically, <laughs> in the Nesson booth, 
and uh, the Bruins might be needing a, uh, a third goalie to come down, and they're, and they're looking at you, and ironically, you might be going in to fill in for the guy that you got traded for way back when. What what was yeah. it like? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, so, I, I mean, so I've been on the list, you know, three or four years. I've talked to, to Don about it, and, you know, just it, it was all set up, and basically, like, if, if you can get here within 35, 40 minutes, and they've called once or twice, like, hey, you know, Tuka's sick, you know, can you, if we need you, can you be in here, are you at home, that kind of stuff, and, um, or can you get into practice tomorrow, that, so, um, but actually being in the building is a whole nother, you know, level to that, so, um, there was, there was, I was there, there was no way I was getting out of it, there was no way I was saying I was at the dinner with my wife, you know, none of that, so, um, so yeah, certainly they, you know, and then they come to get my equipment at the house and it's starting to settle in like, geez, I, you know, I'm not too far away from getting in there. So certainly uh heart race for a little while in the second period and then settled in and, you know, realized that it was going to take a lot for me to get down there. But, but yeah, pretty, pretty funny night. Um, and, and something that, uh, you know, the kids got a kick out of it for sure. And what, I mean, what, when, when was your last NHL game? Uh, 2013, I guess, right? So, um, in Dallas was okay. my last year, and then the lockout was the lockout in 2013-14. Oh, wait, I'm looking. So I'm yeah, second one here, uh, hockey DB. So they've got it as 2011, 2011, 2012 season, and then yeah, the lockout ended up hitting the following fall. Yeah. Okay. So that's so 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, going by fast. I know. Yeah. I know, huh? So you get to uh, if you you get back in that the towards the end of your career, Toronto, Colorado, Vancouver, and Dallas. Um, as you're getting down there, I mean, do you start to foresee like you know what I want to do after my career, and, and was broadcasting part of that? Um, no, not especially. Um, you know, I've done a, a quite a few different things since I've been done. Um, you know, I've I've got my real estate license. I've done some coaching. Um, you know, I've taken a couple sales jobs, you know, like I've just kind of done everything and really tried to find it. Um, and then I guess Nesson asked me to go in last summer and, you know, and I had done a few things for ESPN, the college, college game, a couple college games and it's, it was fun, but you know, I didn't really have, you know, didn't really seek it out. And, um, and then since Nesson going on last year, I really enjoyed it. Um, and now I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to doing more and it's just been a great way to kind of, to stay in the game and, um, with the family, obviously traveling and, and things like that aren't really up my alley right now. So this is a great way, like I said, to, to stay on top of what's going on in the league. I get to go down to the garden and see everybody, you know, I can slide in the back door and, and see the trainers and some of the guys that, you know, Patrice and Tuca and those guys that I know and, um, so it's just been kind of fun to be be in the mix again and, and be around the team. Well, you mentioned Tuker there, and we're going to get in. We Of course, we've been tweeting to have people send in their questions for our Bruins Beat Inbox, and we've got quite a few, so we'll get to that very shortly, Razor. But uh, you mentioned Tuker there, and, you know, obviously you had traded for him, and now you just said that you know him. Well, what has that been like, you know, forming a relationship with him? And then secondly, uh, just what do you think of him as a goalie? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we're just Boston's as as we all know, Boston's a small place, um, and you know, especially you know, as an alumni now, um, you know, we get to 
we get to stay, you know, somewhat close to the team. And, you know, it's, it's great to be able to see Tuca and, you know, say hi, whatever it is. You know, we obviously don't go to dinner, you know, every night. We're not that tight. But, um, you know, it's just the way it is. Hockey players are hockey players. And yeah. you always uh, you always have that bond with guys even when you're out of the league. So, um, and then obviously, you know, he, he's, he's the all-time Bruin wins. You know, he's, he's been everything you could ask a, a starting goalie to be in this especially in a market like this where they expect to win every night. So, um, you know, he's been great, and, uh, you know, he's far from done as well. That's that's the beauty of it. You, you bring up uh, what he's done there, and, you know, we were just talking about Joe Thornton kind of not getting enough respect here. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, man, but, I mean, man, there is a lot of hate around this city, whether it's from fans and yeah. more so for, from some – in my opinion, I don't really care. I told him straight to his face from an ignorant guy like Michael Felder who really doesn't know hockey, you know, and you, you get these sort of mainstream media uh, kind of putting these agendas out there. And I, I think the problem is you get sort of the the average fly-by-night fan hears it and they think that's what's real. And I, I just hate, I hate to see the stuff that Tuca deals with here because, like you said, he's, he's the winningest goalie here. And – I think he's far from the problem with this team or a lot of teams in the past few years. What is it? Why why can't he get the respect he deserves here? Yeah, uh, I, it's a it's a great question. I don't know. I I don't think there's really one one answer to that. I think and, and listen, this happens in 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 all the big hockey markets right. for whatever reason. You know, guy and, and you know you know it. You see it. You know when when other teams come to town and the beat writers come to town. And for whatever reason, some guys, you know, just doesn't, you know, it doesn't, doesn't mix. And, and the worst part is, is there's a lot of guys that, that don't get about it, like get covered up that don't deserve it, you know, in the league. And people think that he's, they're great guys and great people or great teammates. And, and it's the exact opposite. So, right. um, you know, it's unfortunate to, to be on that side, but I think, I think over time that, that, those kinds of things usually level out, and um, you know, Tuca has a way about him to. I don't think it really gets to him. Obviously, his, his performance, you know, doesn't show that. You know, he wins every year and always is at the top of the league in numbers and stats and everything else. So, you know, it, it changes quick. It, you know, he'll go on. He, it could be this year. This year, he goes on a great playoff run, and, and all that changes. So, I yeah. just think it's it's the way you know the way it is now with Twitter and media and it's just a little different and it's easier to, it's a lot more fun and a lot easier to criticize than, than not. And, and once that ball rolls a little bit, it, it, it's really hard to, you know, put the toothpaste back in the tube. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way. That's a good say right there. And, and I think another thing too, I mean, I don't know if you'd agree with me is, I mean, you just look at the amount of championships that have been won here in the last, you know, 12 to 15 years. Two months? <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, I mean, we're spoiled here, right? So it's like anything but a championship. Oh. And they're going to get, you know, the fans are going to go all over the team or, or a player. So it's tough. And, and the other thing, too, is, Riz, you know what I hate is the whole letting him live under the shadow of Tim Thomas. Like, well, Tim Thomas did in the playoffs. Why can't you? I'm sorry, and I, I'm sure you'll agree with me as a former NHL goalie, but it's once in a blue moon that you're going to see the run that Tim Thomas went on in 2011, right? 
No, no question. It was it was incredible. But and on top of all that, is he was one shot away from you know. Oh, yeah. Game seven, first round against Montreal, being the dog, because he didn't have a very good series, yeah. first series. You know, Claude Julien would have been fired. The whole thing would have blown up. And yeah. and that's, you know, you, you can go the other way on Tuca, the, you know, in the Chicago series. They 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 should have won that series, and it just didn't go. It had nothing to do with him, but it didn't go their way. So, yeah, uh, so yeah it, there, there's such a fine line of, of that winning and losing and, and who's the hero and who isn't. And at the end of the day, you know, I would uh, – you can you can hope for a run like Tim went on after that first round, but the reality is, um, you know, I'm I would much rather look at the huge long body of work rather than those two months because it can happen to anyone and, and you never know. Yeah, and ironically, you talk about that Montreal series. The the guy that saved uh, Thomas's bacon there was the aforementioned Michael Ryder. There you go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, it was him. All right, let's Michael get it. with the big goal. I got we got a yeah. question here, so let's get right down to it. Um, we got this is our Bruins beat inbox here on the Bruins beat on CLS Media, and uh, we've got a great question here. It's going to come from uh, Mark Irardi. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that name right, uh, but he is at KRAM nine three two nine one, and it says uh, beyond Tarasenko, who probably isn't available now with the Blues back in a playoff hunt. Is there another non-rental player? you think could be available at the deadline? Um, I, there's plenty out there, out there right now. One of them I, I thought I would love on the Bruins, but he's on the Blues too, is Braden Shen, so I don't think that's going to happen. But is there a guy out there that you think of, Razor, that would be a good fit here? I don't know. I, the, the issue is, is like you just said, it, you know, I'm looking at the standings right now. You know, Even L.A. and Anaheim have been awful, are eight points out of the playoffs. Um, you know, obviously that's a huge stretch, but as a general manager, it's really hard to, 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 you know, to get rid of a guy, a piece that, that isn't a rental, you know, at that point, if you, you know, you can technically say, you know, we'll go on a seven game winning streak and we'll be in the playoffs. So, um, so, you know, there's a lot of names, but I just don't see anyone with that has a term that has a contract that's worse, um, you know, that's worth having those moves being made. Um, you know, I think it's it's going to come down to guys that are free agents that just aren't going to sign. It's just a couple guys in Ottawa. You know, Panarin, Bob Rossi, obviously are, are names, but um, it, it's going to be it's going to be tough for Don to, to make a move that that really makes hockey sense. It isn't a rental, I think. Yeah, it is, man. Uh, I don't know. It's it's tough. It? Like I, I'm sure that that that's probably the holdup too, right? I mean, I'm sure he could have made a deal for a rental already. I I think it's that you know you do want to see a guy with term. You'd like to get that so you don't get stuck with nothing afterwards. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, I you know, and this will kind of lead to one of our next questions here. I actually was talking to some people uh, over the weekend. Uh, one of them that works with the Kings, actually, and they said that the Bruins have periodically had some discussions, uh, and one of the names that, that's come up more than once has been Jeff Carter. What do you think What do you think of the fit he would have here? And at his age, and with the injury history, is he worth it? So Jeff Carter wouldn't be almost exactly the same to me as what Rick Nash was last year. I think he'd be a great pickup. He's obviously won a few cups. 
he scores big goals. He's a big body. You know, the playoffs, he, you know, he knows that grind. Um, the issue with Jeff is he's played a long time now, and he loves L.A., and he's kind of become an L.A. guy. Does yeah. he want to come out all the way east, you know, and is he going to be motivated, and will he be okay being away from his family for the next four months on a run? That's, you know, that's that's one of the things with him, you know, reading the article and just kind of the way he's talked is, you know, he's he's – you know, he's used the word retirement in a few articles where, you know, if I go anywhere else, I might not go. You know what I mean? So that's, it would be a, it'd be a good fit. I think him and Krejci would be great. I think, you know, at the end of the day, he probably would come. I just think that that's um, one of those guys where you're just a little unsure. And that's where I say there's just no lock. Cause I think if there was a perfect fit, they would, you know, I don't think Don's afraid to, to make that move. Yeah, and two other names. Uh, we've got uh, at hockey six forty one asking us. Uh, he says, "Hey, I follow on the Kings. Looks like a perfect third line center with his speed. Any chance you see the Bruins going for him and Tyler Toffoli?" Yeah, I, I mean, I know, Toffoli makes more sense than oh, than even Carter to me. Um, but again, those guys are guys that are younger on the other spectrum that. I don't think, like, if L.A. is going to rebuild or L.A. is going to build, you know, they're going to have – the Bruins are going to have to pay a premium for that. And, you know, is is, is IFL that much different than what they have in the organization? And that's the other thing, too. You have to really, um, as a GM, understand what the upgrade is and, and how it fits. And, um, you know, so I'm not sure on those two names either. But, but, again, everyone's looking for them to do something, and I think they will do something. It's just a matter of how big and, and what they can get. And the other question we get here is, uh, this is from at Big Mouth Barry, Matthew Barry. He's asking us, okay, so, you know, if they were to do something with any of those guys, what may, you know, and this is something I think, you know, obviously fans and sometimes media forget about, they don't put themselves on the flip side of the trade and look at it from LA's point of view. So this is a good question here. You know, besides an obvious first rounder, what prospects do you think entice the Kings there that the Bruins might have to send back? Yeah, and that's that's the, the like you said that's the second piece. You you know you can't dance by yourself. You need a partner, and um, you know unfortunately for the organization, the Bruins organization, most of these second year guys have taken a bit of a step back. There's no you know I think they might you know a lot of guys like a Donato had more value this time last year than he does now. Um, after, you know, it doesn't mean that he's not going to be an NHL player. It's just he struggled, and, and that's what happens when, you know, you go through the league a second time. It gets a little more difficult when he's key and, and, and kind of find your weaknesses. You know, everyone's watching video and, and really understand the defensive side of the game. So that being said, the Bruins have, you know, the numerous, you know, four, five, six names, whether it's Donato, Heinen, uh, Bjork, you know, JFK, all these guys that are kind of on the edge that could turn into great pros or, you know, they're going to be middle-of-the-pack career guys. So, um, you know, it, it'll be an interesting to see, you know, I guess long long answer short is I'm not sure exactly, exactly you know, how these guys are evaluated. And, and, you know, I'm sure each team would evaluate these guys on a much different Way I bet the scale's really big on a guy like Donato and a guy like JFK. You know, some teams might love him, other teams probably don't think he can play. Um, so that would be interesting too. Like, 
you know, the, the teams that want to trade for these guys, are they willing, you know, do they have something to give up? Right, right. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, it, it's interesting because, like, you, you mentioned how some of these guys have kind of had a down year, and, and a lot of people are saying, well, see, you could have used them earlier uh, before their value went down. But, that you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. you know? Yeah. No, exactly. If, could you imagine if, if if Don had pulled the trigger on Donato at this time last year? He would have, you know, it would have been raked through the coals here. Yeah. Um, you know, same with JFK and, and Bjork and everyone, you know, everyone's been on the same board. And until you get out there and play, you, you never really know. So, um, but again, I think there's there's a lot of teams that still believe in these guys, and I'm sure the Bruins are, are one of those teams. Um, it's just, it would, it, I just don't think there's a consensus anymore. That these guys are, you know, surefire fifteen-year career guys. For sure, for sure. And I guess I forgot to mention the uh, the whole question about you and what you were doing that night when you might have had to go in as goalie. You came from at Sully two five one six eleven. Just so we give him a shout out. Uh, next two questions we got here, Razor, are surround on Panarin and, and you know what the Bruins might have to give up uh, for him. And you know, there's a, a tweeter here. It's at Alec underscore. B-A-J-8-L-F-I. Uh, he's tried, there's an article by Flutus and Zauer in The Athletic. He uh, said, and by the way, I want to remind everybody, too, when it comes to The Athletic, uh, they're one of our sponsors. Proud to have them on board. Uh, if you go there right now, you go to theathletic.com slash Uh You can get a subscription for only two ninety nine a month. That's an amazing discount right now. Just, again, the uh, link is theathletic.com slash Go there right now. I highly recommend it. I love reading it. Like I always tell you here in the Bruins Beat, it's like the old school newspapers. They got really in-depth stories. Good to sit around on a Sunday and uh, and really get into and read a good article. So theathletic.com slash Bruins Beat. Uh, Razor, they ask uh, about this article where Fudo said that, you know, in talking to executives and scouts, the feel is that if the Bruins and Blue Jackets were to make a deal, the Blue Jackets are asking for a first Trent Frederick and either Donato or Vakanen for Panarin. Is that worth it in your opinion? Um, yes, I'll say yes. I, I'm a little on the fence, it, but I, I always, you know, I'm kind of of the opinion and always have been that, you know, first-round picks are, are one thing. Uh-huh. Um, but when, at the, you know, if, if you have a window, the Bruins have a window here. They can win this thing this year um you know you look at washington last year you look at you know you can, if you get in you can go on a run and, and the bruins have all the pieces to do that the first line the goaltending their, their top defensive pair so um i'm okay with you know giving up a first rounder i think the bruins have a lot in the organization i think they have an amazing um scouting department that you know, they can find players in the second, third, fourth round. They've proven that for, you know, as long as I've been around. And it's the same guys that, that were around the draft that are still there now. So um, I have I have faith in the fact that if they have a second or third or fourth round pick, they can find players from those picks as well as that first rounder. So I'm okay giving up the first rounder. Um, you know, the other two pieces, you know, I, I think you have to think about. And, again, it comes down to – you know what the Bruins truly think of these guys, but for me, I, I'm I'm kind of all in on this team. Uh, you know, the same as last year, I love the Rick Nash move. I, I thought it was a great move. Uh-huh. Um, and, and 
you know, he got concussed, but at the you know, he still scored big goals in that second series against Tampa. They didn't pull through the series, but he was, you know, he was playing well and scoring big goals, and I think Panarin can do the same thing. And, you know, if the, I've been hearing all along that the, the ask from the Blue Jackets would be DeBrusque, would be that guy instead of, uh, say, uh, say, Donato maybe, or Frederick. I'd do the Donato-Frederick as opposed to DeBrusque. I, I know DeBrusque is really struggling right now. I, I know he's tailed off a bit. I, I still think he's battling some kind of injury, um, and he's been playing hurt. Uh, so I'm going to take it with a grain of salt the way he's playing. And I still, I just see him fitting in more with what the Bruins are doing. And, and to be able to keep him and then add Panarin and have both of those guys on that line with Krejci, I think would be huge. So I, I'd rather do the uh, the first choice there if, if that is a choice. So and, and, you know, Rich Gelman sent in a question via fit, Facebook for us. He says, you know, is Panarin a realistic target? I mean, now that he says... He wants a test-free agency, and he won't discuss an extension. How much does that change your interest in him? And does that sort of make you pull back? I don't think so. I think, you know, I think it's been that way, you know, since day one. I don't, you know, I, whether he announces it or not, I think it was pretty well known. And they, to be to be honest, I would, I'm more interested in seeing if that price goes up. Right. Um, there's a great chance that, you know, there's going to be three, four teams in on this guy. And we all know what happens when, you know, things get desperate mm-hmm. at the deadline. You yeah. know, GMs are more than happy to throw in extra pieces and, and, you know, mortgage the future a little bit. So, you know, if, it, you know, if you could get that deal done today, you know, will that deal actually be here in another two weeks when the deadline comes? That's, that'd be interesting to see too. Yeah. I think the price is going to go up. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it, it's interesting. The other thing was, you, you mentioned it there. You said if uh, if Sweeney, earlier you said if Sweeney had traded Donato last year, they'd take him to the Coles there. And, like, I wonder, right, like, if he goes out and gets a rental right now, like the Panarin, and it doesn't mm-hmm. work out, and they're one or two rounds and they're out, um, and then they, you know, they lose him the free agency, which I, I don't think he's coming here in free agency, I, just based on everything I hear where he wants to. Yeah, it doesn't, see, it doesn't seem like he would stay here. That, so, you know, but you know, again, you're just, we're just speculating, but I would agree with you 100%. It doesn't seem like this is the place he wants to be. And so, I would imagine he knows where he wants to go. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, like, guys, I, know, guys you know, he wants to go on tour. He wants three or four teams to, you know, wine and dine them. But at the end of the day, you know, just like Tavares last year, like, he knew he was going to Toronto right from the yeah. start. Like, he'd be... These sales pitches at the end, you know, you know, they can make a bit of a difference, you know, if it's real close. But I, I always get the sense, and from being in the league, I always knew, you know, you talk to guys this time of year that were going to be free agents, and they're asking questions, and and they're talking, you know, hey, what was what was it like when you were in Toronto? What was it like when you were in Dallas? You know, I got those questions, and um, you know, I know these guys have, are pretty close to making their decision already, even though you know, you're never going to know that. I hear you. That's a great point. And, you know, but I'm, I guess my question to you is, do you think if it does, if a rental like that didn't pan out, uh, is John Sweeney in trouble? I mean, is he is he looking for a new job next year? Well, I, I don't know. I think he's done a pretty good job, a really, really good job over the years. Um, you know, again, drafting and stockpiling these prospects and, um, again, it would be one thing if this was, you know, if he gave up every single prospect he had to get a guy and, you know, it flamed out, 
Um, and then they had nothing in the closet, you know, for the next few seasons. But I, I don't think that's the case. I, you know, one, he won't do that. He won't sell the farm that much. But two, I think he has enough in the closet that in the cupboard that, you know, he can, he can afford to, to, you know, give, give up some of that upside in the future for, for the now. Cause again, Patrice is 33, Tuca is 32. You know, these guys, Char is 41. And, you know, these guys just aren't getting younger and that windows, you know, those are the key guys. And then you don't want to miss out with this nucleus. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Well, we'll just remind our listeners too. I mean, if Sweeney was to hit the job market and uh, you're an NHL team, I don't know if it could ever be on ZipRecruiter, but, uh, you know what's not smart? Job boards that send you candidates that aren't qualified for the role you posted. Uh, but you know what is smart? Going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Boston Beat right now to hire the right person. i got to tell you, unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates for you. It's powerful matching technology, scans thousands of resumes to identify people with the right skills, education, experience, and actively invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S., the rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over a thousand views. So go right now to ZipRecruiter.com slash Boston B. Uh, Razor, that's it for our questions here, man. And Dan, I appreciate you taking the time to answer, man. We got some, uh, it's, it's only going to get more exciting in the next two weeks. As we record this, we're, we are two weeks and 45 minutes away from the NHL trade deadline. It's going to come quick. So it's going to get crazy around here. I'm sure we're going to be hearing lots of stuff flying around. The, the job is to sift through the uh, the real and the fake, right? Yeah, the rumors are going to be. I mean, they are flying now, but yeah, it'll it'll really be flying, and certainly two weeks from now, I'm sure you're going to be hammering the the phone lines and the Twitter and the computer, and you know, there's going to be lots of action, no question. I hear you, man. I'm, at, I'm, I'm doing the trade deadline from Nesson Studios with oh, Rick, so that'll be uh, so. Yeah, so I'm going to be I'm going to be right in the thick of things as well, knee deep and. You know, Twitter. <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, I'll give you uh, give you some retweets. Just let me know when you put the tweets up there to tease it, and uh, we'll pump it up. Beautiful. We appreciate you awesome. coming here. Hey, uh, listen, Ray, it's great to have you back in the in the scene here. And uh, you know, I always appreciated how accommodating you were as a player. And uh, we'll have to get you on again down the line. All right. Sounds great, Jimmy. Thanks, man. Have a, have a good day. All right. That's former Bruins goalie and now Nesson analyst Andrew Raycroft. As he said there, check him out on the trade deadline day. And Nesson's coverage of that will be great. Uh, I am Jimmy Murphy. This has been another edition of the Bruins Beat. We'll talk to you next week. But I'm going to break. I'm going to break my. Going to break my rusty cage and run. I'm going to break. I'm gonna break my, gonna break my rusty cage and run.